1: Damn right we're here to talk about playoffs. Welcome into another episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. And for the first time in nearly two weeks, Jake and Josh are back to bring you the latest on your Miami Dolphins. But first, before we get started, let me welcome in my co-host, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Jake, it's been a while, man. How you doing today?
2: Wow, Josh, you know, you think about the fact Miami Dolphins were on a five-game losing streak. This was a team that was 8-3 and three at one point. The new year flips, and instantly, you and I, we don't live anywhere near each other, and we both got COVID. That is just just so poetic that, you know, you work all year. We've been grinding so hard, like all those... foot. No, I'm kidding. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a little frustrating, man, to sit here, and uh, it seemed like this season was heading in a certain direction, right? You know, you lose five straight. We both have COVID. You feel for sure that the Dolphins are going to somehow fall to Joe Flacco and the Jets, but that was not the case. And Josh, I have not been active as much as I have on on Twitter, because I need to ask you this, this is the one thing I've been stewing about since this game happened, because there was one piece of an analysis that nobody has brought up yet. Nobody's even thought about mentioning, but when you think about Dolphins and even the Jets rivalry, you have to like, go to the past right we talk about in you know the 2013 getting kicked out of the playoffs 2017 getting kicked out of the playoffs these final weeks of the regular season josh we should have known that once a number 19 is in charge for the miami dolphins the reincarnation of teddy gin baby was going to take over and win us that game that is exactly what happened
1: yeah, you couldn't write a better uh, storybook than this. I mean, it's just crazy. The wild roller coaster we've been through all season long. And then for it to come down to this, I think you mentioned number 19. What, wasn't there a little like a uh, graphic that came across the bottom of the screen during this game that said this was the first game between two quarterbacks that were the number 19 since Joe Montana and um, I think Scott Mitchell for the Dolphins from back yep. in like 1993 or something like that. So, um, you know, we went into this game with a seventh round rookie quarterback. Uh, I mean, we kind of expected him to. You know, have some growing pains, you know, struggle against that Jets defense, but he did just enough, right? He handed the ball off just enough, uh, made enough plays to somehow win this game. And again, it's 11 to six. I was getting ready to say nine to six. I can't believe they counted that safety at the end of the game. But uh, man, it's just crazy that this nine and eight Dolphins team made it in this year to the playoffs when last season, you know, I thought we had a pretty solid team last year and they missed the playoffs. So, uh, in the most that's so Dolphins way, we trickled into the playoffs. And at this point, we're just praying to God we can somehow get healthy. And, you know, maybe maybe string together some wins, you know, why not us, right?
2: That's exactly the key here. And if if Teddy Ginn was playing quarterback, I think it probably would have looked exactly the same here. Skylar Thompson threw the ball 31 times, uh, 152 yards. That's an average of five yards uh, per attempt. And it was a little frustrating at times to watch Uh, this passing attack, Josh. But one note I want to make, we got to give some uh, flowers to Raheem Mostert, 6.5 yards per carry, 71 yards on 11 carries. But Josh, it seems as Miami gets ready to play Buffalo, they will be without Mostert because of course, another injury, we have a broken thumb from him. Um, I think Brandon Shell's dealing with a knee injury. His future's up in the air for if he'll be ready for Buffalo. So uh, man, there was a lot of glue and a lot of duct tape coming out trying to piece this one together.
1: Yeah, and you give Mostert credit. He had, what, 71 yards, you said, on 11 carries. Jeff Wilson's carried the ball 16 times for 72 yards. So, I mean, m- we talked about a little bit heading into this game, how the Dolphins need to establish a run, kind of take some of that pressure off of Skylar Thompson. And, I mean, that was one of the best showings that we saw from this Miami Dolphins rushing attack. You mentioned Brandon Shell. doesn't sound like he's going to play on s- Sunday. It does sound like maybe they feel a little bit better about Teron Armstead. But at this point, I mean, you guys said he's had shoulders, knees, and toes at this point on the injury report. So, I just hope that somehow, you know, we can get a healthy Teron Armstead, maybe the quarterback. You know, we still don't know what's going to go on there. We're going to record a podcast tomorrow. Hopefully we have more clarity on the quarterback situation. But um, right now, man, I just hope the Dolphins can field a healthy team and at least go up there and look respectable because we know the Bills are playing for so much more. This is that rubber match, you know, best of three series. I just hope that we can see that Dolphins team go up there and compete like we saw a few weeks ago in that snow because um, I think that was a game that really impressed us at least the most out of that five-game losing streak if you try to find a little bit of positivity from that.
2: One of the biggest issues throughout this game is the Dolphins were having like headset issues, I think. And then Mike McDaniel was sitting there using a walkie talkie. Honestly, I thought he was just looking cool, uh, but apparently, you know, the the headsets weren't working and that's just so Dolphins final game of the regular season. Um, Josh, can we talk about Mike McDaniel for a second? Because uh, there was, I think the stat came on the screen as well. At one point he was 0 for 5 on coaches challenges before getting a second coaches challenge. Um, against the Jets. He got that one right. But at one point, he was 0 for 5. He had a bad one. Um, he went for it on fourth and five on midfield like twice. I think the first time they failed, second time it led to a field goal. Uh, so Josh, you know, you have 17 games of uh, Mike McDaniel in your head. Uh, how, how do you feel about this? Because it just seemed like there were some times where you just kind of wanted to take what he was doing and repeat it back to him and see if this was really what he wanted wanted to do because uh, it it does seem like there's still, yes, rookie coach and and things are going to change. Hopefully adjustments are going to be made, but uh, there there were some head scratching moments and even play calls where you're wondering, um, you know, is this the right move?
1: Yeah, I mean, and those are general questions that you have to ask. I mean, you're right, man. You've mentioned him being a rookie coach. I mean, that was the first thing I was going to point to, the fact that he hasn't called plays, the fact that, you know, this is his first time being the leader of a NFL team. So you do expect to see some of those growing pains. But every week, I mean, he sat there and, you know, mentioned his postgame press conference, how he had to, you know, reflect and, you know, Learn from his mistakes, you know. Try to be better the following week, and it just seemed like week after week you were seeing some of the same mistakes. I guess this would probably be that first game where it seemed like he went into this knowing that we need to run the football because we have a rookie uh, quarterback, and he actually stuck to that. So, um, yeah, there were definitely some head scratching plays throughout that game. I remember them going for on fourth and five, and they converted, but they ran a toss there with uh Jeff Wilson. I just thought that was the most big brain, you know, crazy. I mean, that's something I, again, I think you might run in Madden when you're playing your friends. You know, you might think that yep. that halfback toss and getting to the edge is going to work, and uh, that's uh, kind of how it seems like he approaches things that sometimes, but um, you know, for all the smoke we've heard, you know, maybe the Miami Dolphins would move on from him. Maybe they completely clean house. I think, you know, regardless of whether the Dolphins got into the postseason, they were going to eventually run this thing back with Mike McDaniel, let him reflect right. on his mistakes, and hopefully, you know, bring in that defensive coordinator, because, I mean, that's all we keep talking about. Josh Boyer's defense, I mean, I'm sitting here talking about replacing him, but that defense definitely showed up on Sunday did they not I think they held Flacco at 149 yards through the air uh, only 38 yards on the ground there between Zonovan Knight uh, Ty Johnson and Michael Carter so the defense stepped up I mean they've kind of stepped up these last few weeks and we've seen them you know I don't want to say Ben don't break because I think I said that a lot throughout the year, but that's kind of what we continue to see is this Ben don't break. And when the Dolphins need the defense to step up and make plays, they did it. And in this game, you know, holding them to six points, that was a difference. But um, yeah, absolutely. I think Mike McDowell needs to do some reflecting at the end of the season. And hopefully, again, credit to Josh for that last game. Hopefully they bring in a different defense coordinator who can use some of those Dolphins skill players to their advantage.
2: Speaking of those Dolphins skill players, Christian Wilkins, Joshua, my God, oh. I, sorry, what'd you say? Oh, i just said stud i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no you're, you're good but my my god man because when when you think about when christian wilkins was drafted out of clemson um he was that first foundational piece of the rebuild right and you're just kind of like yeah whatever you know build in the trenches <laughs> type of thing like yeah you, you know we get it right we get why we're doing this we're not happy about it and we just hope christian wilkins is the right pick he is quickly turned into can we say the best player on this defense you think about it man 96 tackles on the season that's two more than the number he wears that's just crazy for a defensive tackle he had six tackles on sunday one for a loss so is it safe to say that this is now christian wilkins defense just after the week in and week out performances we see from this front four that have really made this defense be able to survive as a ben Bro- don't break
1: unit Yeah, I mean, I think you could definitely throw his name up there, right? I mean, we saw X kind of take a step back this season. I mean, maybe that's who we would have said heading into the year was probably one of the best players on defense. Javon Holland, I mean, we talked about throughout the entire podcast. I see Twitter now saying, you know, did he have an off year this year? Yeah, Jake and I have been talking about that all season long. Have we not, Jake? He's kind of been stretched out thin there. But I think what Christian Wilkins brings this defense, you know, both on, and I want to say off the field, right? I mean, you see him on the sideline. He's always the first guy celebrating when the offense just how dominant he's been up front. And you just have to wonder how much of that he took that game to the next level. You know, I, I know Bradley Chubb has been a little bit of a disappointment here, but once Bradley Chubb came into that defense, you know, you saw Jalen Phillips start to, you know, end up in the backfield much more. You see Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer getting those favorable matchups up front. I absolutely love what Christian Wilkins has become. Again, I was one of those guys that's probably a little bit down on it. I know I like Jeffrey Simmons a lot in that draft. I think that might've even been one where there was some quarterbacks lingering that the dolphins, you know, may have went after, but Christian Wilkins had an absolute, insane season 98 total tackles like you mentioned and his uh that was the most since 1994 for an NFL defensive lineman and his 98 tackles is the most by a Miami Dolphins defensive lineman in history since they started record keeping in 1986 so dude has been a stud we know the Dolphins picked up his fifth year option but he's one of those guys that you need to sign that contract ASAP right Jake I mean you need to lock up Christian Wilkins and if you can you need to lock up Zach Sealer because that tandem up front's just become so dominant this season.
2: Can you help me figure out what does this defensive front look like with Emmanuel Agba? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. I mean...
2: Like, like you, you, you obviously sealer and Wilkins are your two tackles, but I mean, when you're trying to get Bradley Chubb on the field, hopefully a, a little more healthy, he did get into the stat sheet with a uh, quarterback hit and then Jalen Phillips, man, four quarterback hits. How, how do you just line up five guys on the line every single play and, and go with that? Or I, I'm just kind of interested to see how this vision goes. And I think we can have a deeper talk about this in the, uh, you know, off season, but it just is an interesting, uh, I, I don't even know if it's an issue, but situation the Dolphins have brewing here with their uh, front four.
1: Yeah, and I mean, that'd be a great book club to do, right? In the offseason when we're sitting Thanks. here trying to figure out what to talk about. But, um, I mean, I guess right now that's a good problem to have. I guess you'd probably look at Agba as potentially. I mean, I don't know what his contract looks like per se or, you know, what they would be penalized if they try to trade him. But maybe Agba is a guy that you try to move this offseason because you brought in Bradley Chubb. But, I mean, having those three – I mean – Prior to this season, I mean, I remember last po- last season talking on the podcast about how Emmanuel Agba was just a difference maker. You know, it was kind of mm-hmm. some, uh, again, a difference maker on that defense. And since he's been out of the lineup, we kind of felt that vacancy there. So I don't know, man. That's what you want to bring in that defensive coach that can utilize those different pieces, right? And have all those parts moving around and attacking the the quarterback. But that's something that we'll have to wait to see next year.
2: We saw some good things at a catered kohu uh, another strong performance. You really see what they're trying to do in that secondary and how hard it is. Um, it does seem like it's what, once every couple of games, he does have a really bad pass interference penalty where you're just kind of wondering, like, just you don't have to do a single thing and you just kind of see him panic. Uh, but that's kind of something to expect from an undrafted rookie. Josh, uh, the last thing I do want to mention about this defense, my God, man, I, I the linebackers. The, this team needs some help when it comes to linebackers because it just seems... Seems like that middle of the field is always wide open. I mean, Garrett Wilson was targeted 17 times, nine receptions. It seemed like most of those were coming over the middle after creating a little bit of separation, um, a couple of receptions for their tight ends, but man, and that you can tell really, th- this is the first season where you really see like the, What's left to be desired from a group that features, you know, Andrew Van Genkel, uh, Jerome Baker, um, and and even our good friend Orlando Roberts, you do see like, all right, there, there needs some something needs to happen here to kind of shore up the middle of the field. Otherwise, I mean, if Joe Flacco can pick you up, you're kind of scared about these crossers going into a game against Buffalo.
1: Yeah, real quick on Darth Cater, I have It's written down here that he led all NFL undrafted rookies in defensive snaps with 852. Then he had 72 tackles and 10 pass defense. So uh, like you said, man, he's been stepping his game up. But back to the linebackers, I mean, I think heading into the year, that was one of our biggest, um, you know, needs for this team or draft and you know free agency last season was that was one of the biggest needs. Dolphins ran it back. I like what Atlanta Roberts does at least in the run game but to your credit man none of these guys seem to be able to cover very well. Duke Riley was kind of that piece and I guess continues to be that piece that can cover some of those running backs and cover the middle of the field but overall the Dolphins need to find that I don't want to say game-changing linebacker, but they definitely need to find that game-changing linebacker that, you know, maybe they thought Channing Tindall could be. So maybe that's mm-hmm. a guy that, you know, develops in the all season, takes his game to the next level. But overall, man, you're absolutely right. That linebacking core is definitely lacking, and they need to go out there and get some playmakers this offseason.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
2: And then Josh is almost as poetic as it can come. I mean, Jason Sanders comes through with three for three on field goal attempts, and it was kind of the difference of the game. You consider the fact um, what uh, Greg, the leg for the Jets, he did miss an extra uh, field goal, which could have completely changed the game around. And it's only fair that somehow it comes back and goes on the leg of Sanders after he's, you know, continued to struggle all season. You know, I think a lot of people used to say, um, hey, it's how... Michael Polarty how he was holding the ball and it was all his fault. Um, Josh, I'm starting to think that maybe Jason Sanders was really good when there was nobody in the crowd. that's that I think we can finally settle. it's not odd or even, but I I think he was a little better when you know there weren't thousands of people screaming the entire time. I think that's probably the analysis we need to settle on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of debunked that in the offseason, kind of figured out what the issue was there. But I think what was most surprising is the fact that you mentioned it. he came in clutch when he needed it most. I mean, we were so frustrated with the way he's been playing all season long in this game. You know, when the Dolphins needed it most, we kind of all thought, what happens if it comes down to a Jason Sanders field goal? Well, we saw it here. It went through the uprights. I think what was most surprising is that Jason Sanders is the franchise's all-time record holder in career field goal percentage with 82.9%. He's made 126 of 152. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like you need better than that. But the Dan fact Carpenter
2: that disrespect.
1: Yeah, Pete Storov. I mean, that's just crazy to me that he would be the franchise's all-time record holder when it seems like he does miss, you know, a field goal every now and then. But um, credit to him for stepping up in those big moments. And I just hope that doesn't come down to his foot this Sunday, right? I mean, because we all felt queasy as hell with that last second field goal.
2: Hell no, 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 no! I will 100. If, if let's let's talk about this Buffalo game for a quick second. I a thousand percent will take any scenario that ends with a Jason Sanders field goal. Um, uh, just for the fact that means the game's close, right? You know, uh, this is a tough situation. This offense looked very ugly. Yes, you know, you get 162 yards on the ground. You're averaging five yards a clip. Uh, you ran well against Buffalo last time you played them in Buffalo uh in the middle of December. But man, you. you They're going to need to figure out something because this passy attack looked a little rough. I mean, you got Mostert having two receptions for negative 10 yards. Jeff Wilson had a whopping one yard on his two receptions. Easy E. Eric Azukoma got in the game with one reception for three yards. And then River Craycraft also one reception for five yards. So, Matt, there were some things that were still, I think, a little wrong with this offense. I don't think they moved Skylar Thompson around enough. He did try to scramble a few times, three rushes for a whopping three yards. Uh, but but it just seems like there there is still something missing that I think Buffalo can take advantage of if this is the scenario we see. But Josh, before we wrap up here, can I have the gut check how we feeling going into this week? Uh round three with the Buffalo Bills quickly approaching the top uh the what number 2 team in the AFC uh playoff picture.
1: Yeah, I mean at this point you got kind of to feel like you're almost at the casino playing with house money, right? Like you won a bet last week, you got, you know, 50 bucks in your account and you're just ready to go YOLO all out and just, you know, throw it on the table. So that's kind of the way I see this. I hope Mike McDaniel's going to game plan that way, but um let's be honest, man. I don't know how you felt sneaking into the playoffs. I mean, I kind of felt a little bit dirty at first, but the more I thought yeah. about it, you know, this team deserves to be there just as much as anyone else despite that five-game losing streak. So I'm excited, man. First time since 2016, you got to feel excited. But part of me just knows, you know, that Buffalo Bills team is no joke. And right now, you know, again, uncertainty at the quarterback position. If we went out there with Skylar Thompson, you know, I think we might get absolutely annihilated Teddy Bridgewater to feel a little bit better. And then, you know, if Tua Valoa can somehow miraculously – you know, clear concussion protocol and go out there and start on Sunday, that would obviously give Miami the best chance. But right now I just feel like we're playing with house money, excited that we get to watch the Dolphins play another week because I don't know about you, man, but as much as we sit here, you know, we were waiting for week 18 to come and go. I mean, it would have been so sad if that was how our season ended. And, you know, we were just sitting here looking towards the offseason once again, wondering what's next for the Dolphins. So I'm stoked, man. What about you?
2: It's always scary, man, because these late season matchups against Buffalo, you know what they're capable of. You know how crazy that stadium can get. But hey, you got to take these chances. Hopefully we'll see a little more uh, creativity. We saw Jalen Waddle take an end around for nine yards. Uh, We do see a lot of different guys getting involved on offense. So hopefully, man, hopefully Mike McDaniel has a few other clips, uh, a few other tricks up his sleeve before things get too out of control against Buffalo. Uh, But man, we did it. Somehow, you know, we're, we were both very sick. I assumed that, hey, this is how the season ends. They're going to lose and uh, it would be miserable. But here we are. We get a whole nother game. And that to me, man, that that makes the entire season worth it. And I'm uh, very looking forward to get Merrick's take tomorrow about this because I know he's going to be Mr. Doom and Gloom from start to finish.
1: Yeah, and I do believe they're doing a... um a Twitter spaces tonight, probably about eight o'clock. Is that when they normally do it? I think so. I think he's going to have oh, yeah. Alfredo Ortega from three yards per carry. So check that out if you want to get Merrick's take on it, but uh, you're right, man. I mean, this has just been a awesome season. At least we felt that way at eight and three fact we lost five games and can still somehow sneak into the playoffs i'm excited to be able to talk about you know what's next for the dolphins and hopefully man i mean every year you see it right i mean we watched the postseason we see every year that team that you know shouldn't even make the postseason you know sneak a win and then you know maybe another one i mean who knows what could happen because a few weeks ago we were all sitting here talking about how the dolphins were you know maybe number one in power rankings and this and that i mean again why not us but i'm just glad that we're able to both be healthy enough to be able to enjoy this. And we're able to come back on here and talk Dolphins football with all of you because um, it really is the highlight of our week. Perfect
2: summary, my friend. Very perfect summary for Finsider Radio. We hope you guys are having a wonderful day. You're staying healthy. You haven't been sick like us. We'll be back with Merrick to dive deeper into the Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins this coming Sunday in Buffalo. But until then for Finsider Radio, we hope everyone has a lovely day. And most importantly, Fins up. Fins
0: up. The goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking super cool, cause we're the Miami dog.